everybody! This is No Chick Flick Moments, and I'm your co-host, Remy. Hi, I'm your other co-host, B. And this is our Supernatural Watchcast, and today we are... Uh, you know what? You know what? I feel like I need to stop for a second. Let's let's slow down. B! <laughs> Hi, B! Hi! Hi! <laughs> what are we talking about today, B? Oh, we have a very, very full plate here today. We're talking about Supernatural Season 15, Episode 17, Unity. Yes, we are. Ah. <laughs> How are you doing, Remy? You know, I'm doing good, B. I'm doing pretty good. This... I'm glad one of us is. <laughs> this, uh, yeah, this was a big episode. This was a doozy and this episode has set us up for oh my god so many things in going into the final arc of our season so yes yeah, it's a lot but i'm for one i'm very excited to to get into it with you b so yes it was a great episode Mm-hmm. so yeah uh episode 17 unity it was an episode written by meredith glenn and it was directed by Katrina McKenzie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So shall we jump right in head first? Yeah, yeah. Let me let me give you the let me hit you with the description. Thank you. Uh, the description for this episode reads: uh, Dean hits the road with Jack, who needs to complete a final ritual in the quest to beat Chuck. A difference of opinion leaves Sam and Castiel behind looking for answers to questions of their own. Oof. Yeah, yeah, let's jump in. Yes. So um, we're going to find out as the episode goes along that this um, format is a little different than what we've seen normally. We get some ground setting at the top of the episode, and then we find out that it gets parceled off into focus on certain characters mm -hmm. so for the moment we're going to be continuing on situation normal but we'll point out when these perspectives change so the very first scene here we have amara enjoying a book and some wine in a hot spring in reykjavik and when she looks up into the night sky, so clear and crisp full of stars, she notices that there is a rapid meteorite shower, and it is enough to spark her to climb out of the hot spring and say, essentially, Chuck has returned. Yeah. Yep. So we're starting off with Gravita right away. And we cut to the bunker. We have Sam in the library. He's on the phone with Cass, whose leads have all dried up, and they're both feeling a little at a loss of what to do. And when Dean enters, he asks, was that Cass on the call? But Sam is giving him the cold shoulder, just focusing on his research. Oh, it's so cold, too, though. Oh, I got, I got shivers there. I mean, <laughs> I, I thought it was... Um, it was something I wasn't expecting for Sam to just shut down right there. But, you know, it, I thought that he played it well. It was interesting to me just to um, just to see that complete that complete shutout. Yeah. So. 
the whole feeling of we're fighting, but I don't want to expend the energy on a fight right now. I have bigger fish to fry. Yeah, he doesn't even seem angry. He's no. just he he's just like I don't want to talk about it. Um, and, and he says as much in just a second. Yes, yeah. Dean's saying he wants Sam on board with the fact that this is their only option to destroy Chuck, but Sam still believes that there is another way. Um, and as they're discussing, they hear a noise in the distance, and when they go to check it out, they find Amara has popped into the bunker and is raiding their fridge. Yeah. Yeah. One thing that um, Sam says here in Dean kind of pushing for a response uh, from Sam, he he says uh, in response to Dean saying, look, this is our only option. Um, that's what breaks Sam out of that cold shoulder to turn on uh dean in a way to say our last chance our only hope our one shot uh don't you ever get tired of saying that kind of stuff yeah and i'm like yeah yeah i do (laughs) yeah like they're really lampshading the fact that they always end up in these situations right right and again also pointing out that their tendency has been to find a third path you know if we're told we can only do this or this then they traditionally somehow eke out this third way. So (laughs) I'm glad the show knows itself well enough. And we're going to see in later episodes the fact that (laughs) Meredith, she's so good at taking little questions that you're like, is this a plot hole? Is this a plot hole? And then she's like, nope. (laughs) Bless you. (laughs) We have, we have, oh my gosh. Um, only only a select few of the writers, I would say, come in by kicking down those doors and saying, you know what? I've got a mess to clean up because it's been six episodes since I've been on the board. And guess what? We've got some <laughs> stuff to discuss. Who left this lying around? Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yes. So we cut to... Jack, Sam, and Dean being collected. Amara is spilling the news about Chuck's return. And we have this really nice brief moment um, where she is realizing that her great nephew is in the room and almost feeling remorseful that she didn't think in the past to spend some time with him. Right, and and this is also part of the evolution of Amara that we've been seeing, uh, and that she has become more, uh, as I don't know if this is right exactly, but she's been humanized in a way, and that she is, um, she's she's gone from this, the darkness of season eleven to a more um you know someone who's who stops and breathes and is Mm -hmm. building these relationships and is connecting with the world and who is enjoying the little things in life like a novel in a hot tub with a glass of wine Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, she really gives the impression that she's lifted her eyes from the road and she's Mm -hmm. taking in the scenery around her. And just this knowledge of, you know, there's not many beings that are at the level that they could confront herself or Chuck. And like Sam and Dean are still spinning the lie of, oh yes, Jack will cage him. Mm -hmm. But... I think that it is something that Mara is looking for connection and she is looking for the kind moments that exist in the world and looking at Jack, she sees an opportunity and it's exactly uh, this episode has so much dramatic irony in which the characters don't know what the audience does. And so Amara asking Jack, you know, maybe after this is all done, we can hang out. Yeah. Seeing Jack have to like, shore himself up and like convincingly lie and say sure it's it's really heartbreaking oh so heartbreaking and i mean kudos to alex i saw i saw that little that little redness in the eyes there when he had to straighten his spine and nod at amara Mm -hmm. um yeah it's it, it it was you know you saw amara reaching out and then it like we know that it's it's heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah. So we have a quick cut where um Dean and Amara it's clearly they've discussed whatever the plan is and um, Dean is taking this opportunity to thank Amara for helping them. But she is cautioning him that I haven't done anything yet, but she assures that she and Dean will always help each other. And when she poofs out, Dean looks a little bit winded by kind of the weight of what is her fate. Oh man. We, you and I were talking about it a little bit at the top of the episode, but um, you know, right from the get go with, with Amara and Jack and then Amara and Dean and with almost every interaction in this episode, we just feel ourselves building up to this um this is wrong we know it's wrong they know it's wrong and they're not acknowledging it but every single step of the way coming up to this final moment or you know what they're building to here having jack kill chuck and amara sacrificing himself to do it on billy's word this is the culmination of all of that and like I said, every interaction in this episode is in some way saying bad idea, red flag. Mm-hmm. Nothing about this feels right. And then we're just building to this this exquisite breaking point. Yes. And like we do have a canary in the coal mine and we see as much in the next scene that has Jack and Sam talking. And Jack is, you know, are you mad? Are you disappointed? And Sam is verbalizing, saying that he wished that they'd known the truth sooner. Um, Mm -hmm. He thinks that it's this courageous thing that Jack is doing, but he says outright that he thinks it's wrong. Yeah. But Dean enters. He's like, pack up. Let's get ready to go. And Sam says he's not going with them. He's not giving up, even if he doesn't have any leads to an alternative than the plan they've got. Yeah, Dean. Dean is uh, feels a bit betrayed by this. I mean, he he just wants Sam on board, and 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 he takes the fact that Sam isn't on board as like Sam's 
given up or taken the knee, as Dean mm-hmm. says. And Sam's like, no, I haven't given up. Like, you don't give up on family. Yeah, yeah. And Dean says, we have to do this. It's in the book. It's in Chuck's book. And what struck me really interesting about that line is that Dean is making no eye contact, where he's doubling down on this is what mm-hmm. has to happen. This is the plan. And, and again, um, it, Sam confronts him on it like Billy just has you so convinced but but why does any of this feel right to you and Dean doesn't have an answer to that he just says it doesn't matter yeah how we feel about it doesn't matter like he says as much in this episode that he's taking the grown-up position and Mm -hmm. I mean what do grown-ups do I don't want to do this task, but it has to be done. So I'm going to suck it up and deal with it. And Mm -hmm. he just feels, like you said, betrayed that Sam isn't in the same place as him on this. Mm -hmm. But but Sam just doesn't understand how Dean can be taking this stance. Because like you said, like he said, last time I checked, we don't give up on family. But Dean has a quick response to that one. Oh my gosh, yes. He says outright that Jack isn't family. And you could see there's immediate regret. Like, it didn't come out the way that he wanted to. Uh Or even necessarily that he believes it. It's just that he's had to make himself believe that in order to be willing to go along with the route that they're on. I don't know. I don't know. I know we butt heads on this. I know we do. (laughs) But I maintain that Dean, we've been told by the show, he feels things more deeply than anyone. And we'll see in even just the scenes where it's him and Jack, like Jack go off with this stranger and Dean's like, no, what's going on? Uh What are you doing? Like he Uh still is protective. He, and he says, okay, I do care about the kid. I do, but not the same way that I care about you or Cass. Like, it's different. And I think that is the hardest truth of the episode. I mean, I think that Jack, I mean, I think that Dean does care about Jack, maybe even to the point of considering him family. And he was just hasty in, in, in his anger here. But, you know, in this moment, when Dean said that, I was screaming. I'm like, <laughs> no, what the fuck did you just say to me, Dean? <laughs> I know, right? I and like, livid. I feel like what we see, especially in near the final scenes of this episode, is Dean, we realize like he has made essentially this pyramid of mm-hmm. how far the water can rise, how much yes. is he willing to sacrifice in order to get rid of Chuck. And yes. he has internalized the choice of, well, Jack has to be sacrificed in order to get my goal. So I just have to be okay with it. And like, here's my logic behind why I'm going to be okay with it. Even if say the board that they had, the plan that Jack didn't have to die, like say that's the hypothetical, Mm -hmm. I think Dean would be a lot more protective about Jack. But Jack's death is a necessary component of this equation. So I have to just resign myself to this and I'm going to wall up any emotion I have about that. And I'm going to justify it by saying he's not family like you guys are. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, this, this here sent me 
back just through the entire Jack and Dean relationship and considering on like why is that why are these relationships different you know between Cass Jack Sam um and Dean uh it 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 actually made me really sad for I think the moment that um or, or the the time in which Jack became family uh, especially for Sam was the time when Michael was possessed by loose, uh, not <laughs> other way around. <laughs> Dean was possessed by Michael. There were months that we lost that, um, wherein Jack became, um, just really integral to, to the core of Sam's family mm-hmm. and, and past that point, there were just so many ups and downs in um in their relationships uh especially regarding jack uh that i don't think that i don't think that it was ever solidified for for dean in maybe no. a way it was for sam and and cass well if we look at the start of season 13 when jack was introduced there was so much grief and anger again within dean and he saw jack as this symbol essentially of what he's lost you know this kid came into being my mom is gone Cass is dead crowley's gone and here is an easy representation of blame Mm -hmm. and you know, he butted heads with Sam right from the get-go. Sam saw the usefulness in keeping Jack around, but Dean was saying, like, you can't change the nature of a lion. This is the kid of Mm -hmm. Lucifer. It's going to go bad. So he was putting up walls to begin with. And I feel like in season 14, he had the opportunity to break some of those walls down. But that's not to say he's not well versed in like the muscle memory of putting those walls back up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, like 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 we said, um, his anger is hardening him to things that we would never have expected to no. hear from Dean. Things that that Sam would never have expected to hear from Dean. Yeah, that, that's where we are. Yeah, just this sense of duty, this sense of anger, as mm-hmm. Chuck says, is driving Dean to the brink, and Dean has to put up blinders because if he looks around, he's lost. Yep. Yeah. And unfortunately, Jack was witness to this shit show. Yeah, this outburst that Dean said about Jack not being family. Jack got to have front row seats to it. And this poor kid, he doesn't get angry. He doesn't look anything other than, yeah, it's what I deserve. This poor kid. Oh, my God. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So Dean and Jack leave on their mission and Sam stays behind to look for another way. And we get this montage. Music is playing over them driving in silence. Cass returns to the bunker and begins helping Sam research. And we end with Amara in a forest doing these cleansing breaths, finding peace, at least until Chuck appears with a hasis. And so now is when we introduce the new format breaking. So we get a title card saying Amara, and we get a segment of the episode dedicated just to her journey. And like, 
as compelling as this portion is, it all kind of boils down to one thing. She's appealing to Chuck to try and get him to see the good in this world and save it because he's been off destroying all the others. He kept the best for last. So what is his plan next? Like, what's he going to do after he destroys this one? Yeah, yeah, the best for last, but and then what? Mm-hmm. And oh my god, V. Oh my god. So literally 15 minutes after um I'm like packing up my mic after we get off of last week's call. And then I'm like, wait, next week's episode is called Unity. We've been yeah. talking <laughs> we we've been talking for like three weeks on how maybe it's like kind of an important thing that Amara brought up the fact that uh, Chuck and Amara were once one and it was that unity that we were thinking maybe was you know maybe going to be important. pivotal <laughs> right. I feel like I feel like we're going to see next episode I mean <laughs> we have the creation of Chuck Mara or oh a muck this episode. And I wonder how much Amara can assert control. So. Oh, man. And, and, and yeah. So, so I, you know, last ding, week ding, I've been ding. looking for, yeah, yeah. The light bulb went off. I've been looking forward to this episode all week because I was like, oh, man, I can't believe I didn't. I, I can't believe I didn't have that thought when I was recording, like a smart person <laughs> who has thoughts on Meta. <laughs> so we have so many thoughts, though we, we can't so share them thoughts. all. We save it for this episode. But but that's what Chuck is saying here. He's saying, "I, you know what I want? You know, I think we need a a clean slate. We need a hard reset." But Amara, I can't do it without you. Yeah. I'm like, the whole time he's talking to her and like, she's appealing. What about all of these? Like, nothing that you've created is wrong or a failure. But he's like, all I see is failures around me. And I'm like, this bitch is talking like a family annihilator. Like, he doesn't see any sentience, any individualism for his creation. He just sees it as an extension of himself. And yep. if it's not bringing him prestige, if it's not bringing him happiness, then he wants to, you know, shake that etch a sketch and go back to having a blank board to draw on. He's he's just going through the whole of all the universes. This does not bring joy. Bye. And like Amara confronts him because, okay, you're not appealed by anything on earth. Well, what about heaven? And the angels fucking fangirl the second they see him. But he's just, again, meh, this is more annoying. I don't have any respect for them, essentially. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. that's when Amara, it clicks for her. Like, all you care about is your story, your happiness. Like, what about me? What about what I want? Right, right. Uh, And... He's just eh, his fucking face. I want to punch him in his fucking little face. Rob which is, is perfect. Doing so fucking I know good. it's so good. It's, it's so, so good. good. Like I want to high five Rob and like punch <laughs> Chuck. <laughs> exactly. Which exactly. is perfect. I mean, the acting, the quality of acting in this episode is fucking phenomenal. I know. I was like, oh my god, everyone brought their A game. And for like an A plus plot, like I love everything, even though it traumatizes me. <laughs> also, like so, so many kudos for the uh, costume department because Amara's suits 
her glittery pink suit. I, I was just like, my heart. I wanted to fucking cry. Her silk, uh, her silk suit that we see for the most of the episode. <sighs> I just her so boots. Good. Her boots make me make me weep. Okay, I stand a queen. <laughs> yes. And she takes this moment. Well, what I want is balance, like something we've never tried before. United again, but on behalf of this world, the way it was meant to be. So she's appealing and saying, why can't we reach equilibrium, do something new, helping each other? And Chuck is just so over it. He does not care. Right. He's like, eh, nah. Nah, I mean, and, and that's when Amara, Amara realizes, like, you don't, you really do not care what I want. You don't care what anyone wants, but you. Right, right. right. And, and Chuck says, I've made up my mind. We can go round and round, but you know me. In I always end, get what I want. I always get what I want. And I'm like, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. Uh-huh. But also, like, oh, foreshadowing, dude. Oh, uh-huh. man. Uh, hey, hey also these angels remember <laughs> these it was so funny as soon as amara snapped uh chuck into heaven um to uh, meet his biggest fans right to meet well well what she says is what about your first children and and then they're snapped to heaven so i'm like oh my god angels and then i'm like oh those angels okay at least we now know they didn't just like explode or something the Uh, ones that jack made you mean yes yes these the this is the church group that jack in season 14 um I think converted. episode 19. <laughs> yeah, converted, I guess, uh, ma- making new angels. And we always kind of wondered, because there wasn't really a button put on that. We also we always kind of wondered how that turned out. But yeah, I guess that these were um, the, 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 they're still angels and they're still helping to power Heaven's batteries, which is, you know, what, what they wanted. So this disappointed me because... I... I wanted to see them appealing to Chuck for leadership and having Chuck shirk away from that responsibility. I didn't want to see him dismissing his fans, although I can see why that was written because that gets to the meta level of the writers interacting with the fans of the show, you know? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. if Chuck's the villain, then that's the way that he would engage. But ultimately I did want it to be like, thank God you're here. Like, thank you. You're yes. here. We need your help. Like heaven's fail. And then he's like, wah, wah, and then farts them off, you know, like that's what I right. wanted to see. Right. And I also, I also wanted to see the true, you know, angels because these were humans who became angels. So not, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't feel that these humans that are starstruck by meeting their God, um, are really a, a true representation of how the angels feel about their absent father. Yeah. Yeah, because we've seen throughout the show that we've had varying degrees of blind obedience and then also just resignation, disappointment, mm-hmm. reluctance. Like, 
there's the whole gamut that these angels have experienced. And so it was very limiting. Just, But again, I guess they don't have half an hour to spend on examining that. And on that, um, the reason that the main reason why I felt this was disappointing is because I fear that this is the intended to be the button that we're putting on heaven. I mean, I think that we're going to, to, to speak to it a little bit more, um, in the final episode or two, but <laughs> like, um, the mention of hell that we got a couple of episodes with, um, Oh, what was his name? The Crossroads Demon. Zach. Zach, Zach the Crossroads Demon. Yeah, the, we were told the, the current state of hell, which is that, you know, Rowena's still ruling. She's got got it locked down, but, it, you know, that's that's the current state of hell. And here, I feel like this is this short little scene to say this is the current state of heaven, and that is all that we're going to get for the the bigger picture of the supernatural world. Well, I'm, I agree and I disagree. I feel like, mm -hmm. yes, this is probably the last we're going to see of heaven in its current state. Mm -hmm. But I feel like the fact that Chuck and Amara have introduced this idea of a reset button, this idea of balance, um, we're going to see probably some substantial universal shakeups that as they relate to that. And I feel like, as a consequence, we might see heaven and hell get shakeups too. I would, you know, we've, uh, especially me. This is what I've been wanting to see for mm -hmm. from the final season. That that shakeup. Uh, mainly, I if this was the last that we were seeing of heaven, I would have loved to have seen um, Naomi. Again. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, just a just a personal thing. Yeah, I. I'm heads or tails whether we're going to see it more, but I do think right. it's going to be as part of the consequences of what the ultimate game is going to shake out for the show. Right. I've got my fingers crossed for that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, one other thing. <laughs> one last thing. Um, one of my favorite, one of the things that made me laugh of this uh, Amara and Chuck sequence is when Amara and Chuck are walking through the woods um, Amara says, you know, I know what this is. I, I know exactly what this is. You want to evaporate every kernel of existence because you didn't get what you want because the Winchesters didn't do what you said. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm like, that's the conversation that I was like, I'm getting family annihilator vibes from Chuck. <laughs> right. Right. But, 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 but Chuck responds to that to say, uh, no, it's not about that. And then I'm just like, narrator voice, it was exactly about that. I, know. I swear. I mean, by the end of the episode, I, I wonder the truthfulness of Chuck just being over them. Like, he's so fucking done with Sam and Dean and their recalcitrance to follow his plans. The most interesting thing about Chuck and Amara this episode is that, um, Chuck is a master manipulator of Amara this episode. Yeah. yeah. Where where Amara says, you know, this is just because you didn't get what you want. You're throwing a tantrum. 
And that is what he is doing. That is exactly what he's doing, but he is spinning it in a completely different way. Yes. No, no, Amara. I want balance. I want to, you know, no one gets us but us, man. And like, and like that, that's going back to what, like, we're getting Amara, her, um, her characterization last episode mm-hmm. where she was talking to Dean and she's like, I think it would hurt him. I think it did hurt Chuck to cage me. And mm-hmm. I think that like, I wouldn't do that to him. Like she is a lot more wanting those connections than Chuck right. is. And he exactly. uses that to his advantage. Exactly. And it's not until the moment that Chuck gets what he wants from Amara that he kind of sheds that facade and says, you know what? No, this is about you. Fuck you. Fuck you and fuck you too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. This is my tantrum. Yes. So yeah, the culmination of this Amara section has her realizing Chuck is only concerned about getting his way. And so she snaps them into the bunker and Chuck initially is kind of jokesy. He's like, Oh, you like, you're trying to get us in a room to talk our feelings out with Sam and Dean. And when Chuck tries to leave, he realizes he can't. And that's when he becomes furious. Yeah. Yeah. You can't, you can't hold me here for long, but she can hold him there just long enough. Yes. Yes. So he realizes that this is a trap and he is having to battle against Amara if he wants to get out of it. Mm-hmm. So now we have a new title card for Dean. And we begin on this quiet drive that he and Jack are on. And it is finally broken by Dean possibly about to apologize or just to say something about that awkwardness that he caused in the library between them earlier. But Jack just cuts him off and is saying, like, he doesn't need to be sorry. He knows that he's not like Sam or Cass with regards to Dean and... Dean still looks a little torn internally, even though he doesn't say anything more. Yeah, yeah. Man, we thought last episode's car ride was awkward. Oof. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, I just got the sense from this scene that Dean regretted the fact that Jack heard what he said, but is he doesn't regret what he said. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, he may regret saying it, but it doesn't, he can't apologize for it. Yeah, if he apologized, it would be insincere because that is currently what he feels, even if that's not necessarily what he would feel if they weren't in this high pressure cooker situation. Right, right, right. And it's also the fact that, you know, this is, um, I think that here Dean is just feeling the weight that. Jack is feeling too. I mean, this is an awful thing. They're they're this is what they have to do, but there's really nothing to talk about. Like Yeah, like they're on the drive to the final quest. Right. Like they are in the eleventh hour and Dean is kind of realizing, I think, that I mean, you can't really leave anything unsaid at this point because mm-hmm. you're not going to have enough time to amend it later. Mm-hmm. So, they pull up outside of Jim's Gems in Santa Fe. Um, they go up Hey-o. to the... <laughs> 
This is New Mexico, right? New Mexico shout out. I do know some things about America. <laughs> Even if I... Santa Fe makes me immediately think California. I was like, mm, that can't mm. be right. I interrupted. Excuse me. No, no. Celebrate. I mean, it's 2020. <laughs> we need every reason. Um, They go up to the door, but they have these two older hippie types just throw the doors open, absolutely stoked to meet Jack. His aura, it's like Skittles. Yeah, just the <laughs> rainbow. So we find out right away that it is Adam, the first man, and the angel Serafina, who are currently enamored with his Skittle-like aura. <laughs> Jack, we have been waiting for this moment. And they're so handsy with each other. Like, right away they start smooching, and, like, Dean seems to become heterophobic for an instant, where he's like, what is this? What am I seeing? <laughs> what am I looking at? Yeah, so this is this is Adam and Serafina. Uh, there's a momentary, like, wait, so you're Eve? No, 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 man. I'm this old lady. This is my angel. She's the only one who could deal with me for 300,000 years. And, like, from the previews for this episode, I was so afraid of what these two characters would be. Because it mm -hmm. was very far out, man, feel from the preview. And I was like, how is this Adam? How does this work <laughs> out? Like, I don't understand. But it works. These two actors are fucking selling it. And I love it. I really liked it. I mean, it just it definitely put a smile on my face. And yeah, they're really just like they're really just going with it. They've got that vibe, but Adam's like, "All right, Jack. It's time, man. Let's let's go to the back." Mm -hmm. And we have that moment you mentioned where Dean's like, "Whoa, whoa, wait, wait, wait. Where where are you taking him?" Yeah. And Adam says, "Nah, just a just a quick pop quiz. You can't hand out the spark of the divine to just anyone. And uh, and then as soon as Adam and Jack do go to the back, uh, you know he he still keeps his his buoyant uh, personality. Yeah, but yeah. we kind of realize why he has it. Right. There's there's definitely more of a groundedness and intensity to him when he's talking to Jack when he gets Jack alone to mm -hmm. say no I've got my reasons yeah uh, this is this is something that I've been waiting for for a very long time and I just love how it fits in with what we saw about Chuck and his obsession over Sam and Dean and all the different universes. Like, he finds his favorite players, he makes them duke it out, he doles out the drama, and then he gets bored and he moves on. Because Adam is saying that he and Eve did everything God asked for them, jumped through every hoop, talked to every snake... And when they got kicked out of the garden, they kind of figured they deserved it. But when they saw God move on to Cain and Abel and pitting their sons against each other, then that's when it was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. This is no longer like we're not the ones who are to blame. God is. Yeah. Yeah. And who are the sons of Adam, Sam and Dean? Yeah, like, they, this is their ancestry, their legacy. 
Right, right. So my ears perked up so hard, so hard when Adam said, I was the first man. I was God's first story. And I played by the rules. And I, I followed the script. But then he moved on to our sons. And I just imagine his sons being Cain and Abel, but then it's through the entire line of Chuck's stories that we've now reached Sam and Dean. And, and Sam and Dean are the first that defied him. And it's just... Well, maybe not the first that have defied, but like the first that successfully defied. Mm. And like to the point, God's fury, like, whoopta. Right, right. It was just when Adam says he he got bored, he moved on, and then considering like the sons of Cain, I just want to yell to the sky, like this is epic, this is biblical, this is supernatural and i i love the tie-in i love the story like this choosing adam choosing this character as like the pull for this final quest and adding this extra layer to it is Mm -hmm. just exceptional like i really am thrilled with what they did here because Mm -hmm. under a different writing crew it could have been a lot more superficial and not give that depth that texture that richness that Meredith pulled here. So much so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Adam, we find out, has been waiting th- 300,000 odd years to get his revenge. Um, Serafina has kept him alive to do so. And we discover that killing God is his plan, not Billy's. And Jack is the final piece that they've been waiting for all these years. Half human, half archangel, all powerful, at least as soon as he passes this test. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I, I had I got a little internally salty with the all powerful line. Like all powerful only to serve as a freaking bomb. Okay, that's fine. I I'm still wondering about that because We'll find out here what Adam is essentially going to give over here. The spark of the divine is something that is stored within his left rib. And so Mm -hmm. he says it has the spark of life within it. Or in your case, enough power to destroy God. So I'm like, the spark of life. Could he become something that is a tool for creation rather than destruction? Like, is there an opportunity Mm. there where Jack's fate is not necessarily to become a black hole that kills all things celestial? Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious. I, I don't have as many eggs in that basket as I do like Amara, maybe having more sway than we realize, but it was a curious thing to have death, and creation be within this tool that Jack is going to receive. Yeah, that's that's really interesting meta. I like that. And, and through the scene where we have uh, Adam now giving Jack this test uh, to see if he can uh, detect 
the spark of divine uh, in this uh, little palette of gemstones that he's laid out in front of Cass and says, one of these has been cast by God. Jack. I'm really, I'm really <laughs> on game. I'm on point today with the names, right? Uh, Adam's laid out in front of Jack uh, and saying, one of these has been touched by God and I want you to tell me which one. Um mm-hmm. And, and, but through this, uh, Jack and Adam's co- conversation, we've also been cutting to Dean and Serafina. And mm-hmm. Serafina is really speaking to how, f- speaking to fate and how things were meant to be this way. And I'm like, oh, you've got the wrong audience, buddy. Oh, yeah. Like, she's really buoyed by this thought of, you know, like Jack's absolutely going to pass this test i saw it in a dream and the more that she's saying things like it's meant to be like think of everything that had to happen to you for jack to get to this place to this moment i think that is one of those things that is lifting the blinders off dean more comfortably than he likes like i didn't phrase that correctly but like Dean is given a stop on this railroad that he has been traveling down, convinced it's the only path. And hearing that, I think, puts a chill in him where he's like, yeah, how did it become so one track for us? Absolutely. Exactly that. This is a huge red flag. And we see in Dean kind of seeing that and and the question is he's still gonna steamroll right through it yeah like he's brought to the brink of doubt we find Mm -hmm. out here Mm -hmm. and we feel his you know if he had a little bit longer to think on this to dwell on this he might have pulled the brakes on this and said no this doesn't feel right and this is just all the further evidence that it's not right Right, right. So we cut back to Jack and Adam. Jack has picked through this box. He settles on the amethyst and Adam kind of sighs, looking disappointed, at least until Jack says, and all the other rocks. I mean, they're just rocks, but their existence makes them divine. God is in everything. And Adam adds, at least he should be. And again, I like hear that and I'm like, could that be an ending? We diffuse, <laughs> like, we're so close to the end. And as much fear and trauma I have for the next episode, the last two are like a black fucking box. I'm like, what's in it? What's in it? What's going to happen? Mm-hmm. So yeah, Adam is stoked by this news and he and Jack return to the front Jack gets a high five from Serafina, and the question becomes, now what? He passed the test with some hippie bullshit. Nah, it's no, no aspirations cast on hippies. <laughs> and, like, Serafina and Adam move as if they're going to start making out again. She pushes him up against the counter, but it takes a very quick turn south when she grabs a knife and stabs him (laughs) in the side instead Um, she's cutting adam open to pull out a rib 
yeah, yeah. And I'm like, there's got to be a there's got to be a more efficient way of doing that than a, a fucking gut stab. But okay, <laughs> we I got feel it. like we got it. What else would we have? Like, go to a medical hospital and do this in a surgical setting? She's a, <laughs> she's an angel. That's like a nurse. I'm just saying, if it was Cass, I feel like he would be a bit more gentle. And 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 with how casual the whole thing was, I just uh, I I got I got a little bit of a weird vibe. Like that's more than I wanted to know about you, Adam. But okay, if that's your thing, all right. <laughs> I'm like three hundred thousand years of preparing himself for this moment. Like he's going to be <laughs> stoked. He says to Jack and Dean, like, dudes, chill. And when this rib's pulled out and tossed onto the countertop, Sarah heals him up. And, yep, this rib contains the divine enough to create life or to destroy God. Create life or destroy God. Oh, you've got me so keen on if this is something that um, we're going to use to diffuse Jack um, Mm -hmm. to say. And and what this is, is the spark of life is the spark to ignite the fuse that, uh, that is the bomb that Jack will become. And, and what will happen is he will become something like a metaphysical supernova, uh, a living black hole mm-hmm. for divine energy. Yeah. So through the process of his soul and his grace fusing, this outburst is going to happen. Which, I mean, mm-hmm. it makes sense considering the history the show has for how much power is within a soul. And you can imagine that its combination with a grace is going to be akin to a celestial atomic bomb. Right. So Adam and Sarah seem really gleeful about this, but Dean looks somber. Like... He looks like he's a little bit sick with the thought. Like, that that doubt that was placed in him by Serafina's words is still weighing on him. Yeah, yeah. And I, th- I thought this also called back to the heaviness um, they are both feeling on the drive over. You mm-hmm. know, this is... It's becoming very real, very fast, that this, yes. this is the end game. Yes. And it's that very fast, I think, that is all of a sudden, it's that sick feeling of when you're going over the point of the roller coaster and you're like, oh, fuck, like, where am I going to end up? Yeah. 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 So the drive home, it's dark again, and Dean pulls them over shortly before they get home because he has something he just needs to say to Jack. He God, and you know what, B... If 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 the drive there and what's all happening at Jim's gyms um is putting doubt in Dean, the drive back is him resolving himself back to what has to be done. I don't know. I'm like in I can feel him on that tipping point because it feels like by the end of this conversation he's almost regretful that Jack lights the fuse. But it's happened, so there's nothing he can do about mm. it. So let's get back on track. Because mm. this conversation he's having with Jack is like he's saying Jack didn't need to hear his bullshit on top of everything else that he's carrying. Like there's too much right. of a burden on him already. And 
Dean tries to put into words the fact that since they found out the truth about Chuck, he hasn't felt real or alive or like in control of his life and therefore free. But now that he and Sam have a chance to actually live a life without that extra crap, it is all because of Jack's willingness to do the sacrifice. So thank you. Yeah. The fact that we can have a future is because of you. And and I need to say, I have to say thank you. Yeah. And it looks like a real tough conversation. Like, again, A-plus acting this episode. Jensen's really yes. knocking it out of the park. And Alex has a much smaller role this episode, but he still has that poignancy, that kind of the martyr's resignation where it's not like a sad resignation. It's more, uh, I don't know how to properly phrase it. It's a little melancholy, but it is a determination. I, this whole episode, I keep coming back to what Billy told Dean. Yeah. Last episode, which was, I told Jack that to do this is to get your forgiveness. Yeah. And, and that... that's Jack's conversation with Cass saying, this is the only way I'll get to their forgiveness. And so I'll do it in a heartbeat. Yeah. Yeah. But, but that, that is a sad, that's a sad self-sacrifice. That's not, like, that, that's just another thing that feels wrong about this. It, it relies on a child's naivete to yeah. go, oh yeah, that is the only way that this works rather than an adult's ability to go, I am sorry for it, and I forgive myself. I don't need their forgiveness. I will do yeah, what I can yeah. to atone, but we have to move forward from this. Like Jack doesn't have that capacity. He's just not had that experience level. So when he's told this is the only way you can do it, he grabs onto it with a child's faith that he's being told the truth. Right, but the driving motivation itself... We had Sam say to Jack to give to give your life for a cause that takes courage. But we've been told that Jack isn't doing this for the cause. I we we don't have Jack saying I'm doing this to save the world. We well, have Jack as a child saying this is the only way to redeem yourself in the, the eyes of the people that you care about. Yeah. I feel like there. it's not that he doesn't understand that there's this greater mm -hmm. bonus side effect of freeing the world from God's influence, but he right. has it so honed in on the people he cares about and how he can help them. If. <sighs> <sighs> Dean gets a text and it's time. Yep. It's time. And even if Dean seems a little less determined, he doesn't have it in him to stop Jack from absorbing the power from this rib. And his eyes ignite and it's go time. They got to get home quick. As soon as Jack takes out the rib, my husband was like sent into a panic spiral. What is he? What is he gonna do with it? Is he gonna? Yeah. Is he gonna eat it? Is he gonna yeah. stick it somewhere? <laughs> my my brother and I were like, it's it's food or it's a knife or it's something 
indescribable. <laughs> uh, exactly, exactly. So oh, when it man. turned to goo, we were just like, oh, thank God. I didn't think of that, <laughs> but thank God. <laughs> there was there was a very tense moment, <laughs> moment <laughs> right there. But yeah, yeah, he absorbs the energy of the rib, I suppose, and um, once it starts, there's no stopping it, as Adam said. Yep. So that is the end of Dean's segment. We get the title card indicating the next segment is about Sam. Sam is researching, but he's clearly frustrated. He throws this book off of the desk where he's working, and Cass comes over and picks it up, puts it back, and Sam's kind of apologetic, but Cass is like, no, I I get it. Like, they both feel the hopelessness, and maybe Dean is right. This is their only lead. But Billy just hasn't convinced them yet. Yeah, yeah, Maybe this is the only way, but it, Sam says, it just feels wrong. I mean, Billy has Dean so convinced, but something either isn't adding up or I just don't see it. So, so I still have questions and how am I going to get those answers? Yeah. And Cass is a little like, well, you can't kill yourself to go talk to her. Like, no, no, that's not a plan. And Sam's like, okay, crazy. I know you do that, but no, no, no. If it was, if it was, um, Dean, he would have been slinging off his backpack to pull out his little suicide kit. <laughs> oh, my, oh God. my God. I mean, let's hope that there's been growth. It's so funny. It's funny because both Dean and Cass have have done the thing to be like, oh, I need to go talk to death. I need yeah. to go talk to the empty. Yeah. Okay, I know a way. But then Sam's just like, what? No. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> Honey child, why is that where your brain goes? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, if they can't summon death, then maybe, mm-hmm. hey... We remember Sergey mentioning the key to Death's library. Maybe we can find it and use it to go talk to Billy in her sanctum. Yep. Yep. Yeah, and Sergey. So we get a research montage. Well, well, yeah, and and Sergey. This is another one of those little, uh, those little loose threads, or maybe not a loose thread, but just. I love to see that there was the seed planted um, five episodes before that we pick up uh, now. And like we said at the top of the episode, this episode just just does a great job of um, picking up some of those crumbs that were dropped along the narrative way. Little loose ends or plot holes and then pointing out, well, they're not loose ends or plot holes after all. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we get a research montage. They find a bunch of boxes. Um, There's this one book that has an indication of a skull in red on a black field. So they kind of have an idea what they're looking for, but they are just going through the junk of the men and letters until they find this small box that within it is a key. And on the outside of it is an incantation. That when they read it, it makes the 
illuminated outline of a door appear on the wall. Sam puts the key in the lock, but before stepping through, he asks Cass to stay behind and buy them some time. Yeah, if I don't get back before Dean and Jack, then then stall. Yeah, don't let them go through with anything just yet until I can come mm. back with answers. And before Sam can step through, Cass takes the moment to assure him that his moral compass is correct. It's functioning perfectly is how he says it. <laughs> and just, you know, he's on the same path as Sam here. They're in agreement that this is the right thing to do. Right. We're we're right here to be asking questions because again, 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 something doesn't feel right. Yeah. So now Sam is inside Death's library, but we see right away that the floor is littered with dead reapers and Sam creeps towards the sound of a voice and he finds the empty in the guise of Meg interrogating a reaper, trying to get him to summon Billy, even though she has yet to come. Yeah, yeah. I I wish that the reapers were more obviously reapers. I'm not that I wanted them all to be octogenarians with uh <laughs> brown uh, clothing right right in the whole suit and tie get up but when i saw the people in the library um it did it didn't ping as obvious to me that uh these were billy's reapers rather than just souls yeah um, I mean, we don't know enough about Death's Library to say, okay, maybe these are just Death's Librarians, you know? They go around and keep an eye out for books that have changed or added. Like, they they could be that, but we don't really know. I assume right. that they're Reapers because they're the only kind of class of supernatural that relates at all to Death. But, mm -hmm. I mean, who knows? Yeah, and when we see uh, the empty prompting the reaper that she has in front of her, and not dead yet, to pray for Billy, then that that was my um, cue to be like, oh, okay, these are in some way reapers' underlings. Yeah. And uh, the empty is trying to uh, use them to summon dean death death <laughs> not dean completely different things <laughs> but the empty hears sam and even though he's trying to sneak away she snaps him over and we find out that death has been ignoring the empty and they want to confront billy for the lies she told about god's grip on the empty and when Billy takes over, we find out that she said that she'd make it all better. But since talking to Cass, the Empty now has doubts. Right. Right. The Empty was supposed to be theirs. Not even God has sway. But when, again, we just have these people popping in and out and she's still awake... She's got some trust issues here. Mm -hmm. And like, this is a great way to help us understand how Lilith was able to be resurrected when supposedly not even God had sway in the empty. Right. Like, this is just one of those lies that have been told to keep the empty on board. 
and right. we get the big reveal that we have been waiting for. Um, Billy plans on becoming the new god and will take them back to the good old doy. <laughs> the good old doys. She'll take them back <laughs> to the good old days and put everyone back where they belong. Dimensions, realities, graves, whatever. Angels back in heaven, demons back in hell, and what is dead should die. So then, finally, the empty gets to go back to sleep. And this is huge. Right. No more meddling. No more cosmic bullshit. I I like this a lot because even though Billy's not here, this is... This brought me so strongly back to when we were first introduced mm-hmm. Billy the Weeper. And also when she showed up as death in advanced thanatology. Right, right. Her first introduction was to lay it down to Sam and Dean saying, if it were up to me, I wouldn't give you the time of day. You'd be right back where you belong. Yep. And then with her introduction as death, it seemed to be a 180 of a sorts. Well, like, she's saying, I don't want to send you back, but you have work to do. Like, there's a plan for you. See you soon, Dean, was her whole thing through season 13. So it was like, fuck, what do they... How do they fit into this grand scheme that this character who has said... I would leave you fuckers dead if I could, is now saying, yeah. no, I'll keep you alive for something bigger. Ugh. Yeah, 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 that's, she's, that, that's what she's saying. She's like, when you become death, you you see some shit. You learn new things. And you, I still need you. And <sighs> if only we could have, if only we had time in this packed episode to kind of flash from what Billy said then to Dean to now what uh, the empty is saying to Sam. She's pointing to God's death book, which she has on the table in front of her to say, Billy says that we need you. Yes. And I don't think she would be very happy if I took you out of the picture. So let's see if this works. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Sam is immediately eyes emoji on that book, but the empty is right that if Sam is so integral to the role of killing Chuck, then if the empty injures him, maybe they'll be able to summon Billy. So they try as much. The empty starts hurting Sam, um, and Sam chokes out and that Billy sent him. He's spins this lie out of thin air and the empty relents to listen um sam essentially says that death sent him to get the book she doesn't say why like there's no time for questions and in this we find out that the empty can't go to earth unless summoned and so sam spins it and says that billy can't leave earth right now for some reason so he's here instead Right, right. He He's appeasing the empty in saying, basically, like, oh, Billy heard you, and she sent me to say yeah. that, she sent me with a message to say that she will honor her promises, and you will be able to go back to sleep. Yes. And 
he essentially sets them up with this win-lose situation. You know, if mm-hmm. you think I'm lying and you decide to kill me, then for sure you'll lose. You know I'm in the book for killing Chuck. But if you believe me and you give me the book, then we'll be able to proceed on the plan where you get to go back to sleep. So, I mean, it's a no-brainer. Give me the book and let me go. Mm-hmm. And Rachel. Yes. Oh, she was so good. I, I love her so much. Another yeah. fucking queen this episode. Uh, it was so great to see her again as the empty. And I love how the empty is, is set up here as being a bit naive as well. Like, it has been asleep this whole time, only woken up in the last three years. And so it doesn't necessarily have all the nuances of the way people interact and lie or speak to each other. Because, I mean, Rachel delivering these lines, they're very... The the pauses, the beats that you would maybe expect from a person aren't there. They're twitched up just this little bit. And although they can sense that there's something afoot, they just don't have, again, like Jack, the experience to be able to say, no, there's a third way to this. Like, she is playing the empty in this way of, well... I don't know any better, but Sam is sounding reasonable, and so I'm going to have to agree. Yeah, she even, you know, when Sam said, death sent me, Billy sent me, the empty calls him out, says, because, I don't know, you're saying some, you're you're asking a lot of questions, you're saying some dumb shit. I forget what she said exactly. (laughs) But But yeah, um, like, you sound stupid if... Like, why don't you sound more put together if you're really here on Billy's behalf? Right, right, right. And um, and that's when Sam says, well, yeah, well, we're all kind of trying to kill God here. No time for questions. Uh, But trust me, believe me, these these are the only options in front of you. And the obvious one is to let me go. Yeah. And I mean, and then he, he kind of sneaks out. He does it. <laughs> He's like, "Oh, that worked. Oh, that worked. Okay, bye." Yeah. Does he leave with Death's book? Yes. Yes. So yeah. Yes. Sam returns, <laughs> and it's just in time for cast to reveal. Amara is here with Chuck. We gotta go. Um, Sam is trying to explain that they can't let Death's plan happen. They have to stop it, but. We're getting into this really quick cut back and forth where, again, dramatic irony is at play and it sucks, but it's awesome. Um, Do we want to go through following um, Chuck and Amara and then go through following Sam, Dean, Cass, and Jack? Oh, it's so... This... This last scene, or this last sequence uh, of the episode is so good. Um, I think that let's get Dean and Jack back in the bunker um, Mm -hmm. and then talk about Chuck. And, you know, once, once everything is set in motion here, 
that's when Chuck kind of pulls the rug out. Yeah. Hoof. Okay. So, Chuck and Amara are brooding. She points out that it's not too late for him to change his mind, to choose this world. But he just tells her to shut up. And the look on his face, I can't tell whether he's trying to suppress a smirk, but it would fit in with what he's about to do. That's definitely the impression that I got. He, like, that 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 close-up on him where, mm-hmm. again, Amara's trying to appeal to him, but he's playing this part of the wronged party. Um, this, this exposed him as just that, uh, playing the part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So... As Sam is trying to explain what's going on, Jack and Dean show up, ready to go. They are basically swept along by Dean's need to not blow this shot, you know? Jack has his fuse lit. We do not have time for questions or for complaints. It's got to go. It's already been set in motion. Yeah, it's so good, but it hurts. I love it. (laughs) chuck begins his monologue he's saying dean brought to the edge of doubt his sense of duty his rage winning out in the end and sam poor sam just has to know what's going on like he can't leave Mm -hmm. well enough alone yeah yeah and that's where we're at sam jumping in front of dean in the hallway to say no i you have to listen to me Dean is saying there's no time. Yeah, he he just hears, will Billy's plan work, yes or no? Sam says yes, but, and Dean's like, I don't care about the but. Like, you said yes. Yeah. I don't care that this is Death's power grab, her ultimate plan. Like, I don't care. All I care is that Chuck is going to die for good. And yeah, Sam throws himself in the way of Dean, blocking him from going down this um corridor. Dean says they don't have time. And Cass looks really upset to find out Jack has lit this fuse. And here, again, Chuck is saying to Amara, no, this is my ending. This is my real ending. Mm -hmm. And Dean pulls his gun on Sam as this is happening. Yes, yes. So exactly that. That was my big question. When Chuck says, this is my ending, this is my real ending, is he talking about his death book or is he talking about the ending, the end that he wrote for Becky? That one. I'm convinced Oh my it's God, it's so good. Yeah. It's so good. <laughs> and again, talking about plot holes, loose ends, all of these things that Meredith is doing such a good job of tying up because... Amara is just like, what, you? this is your machinations? And he's like, what part of omniscient do you guys not understand? And I was like, thank you, because that's been one of those things that's been kind of bugging me is, I mean, how could God not see these things going on? And it's revealed he has seen everything that they've been doing and just doesn't care because he's pulling some strings of his own and he is pushed them to the point where Sam is standing there and Dean pulls the gun on him for blocking his way. Yes. 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 Oh my God. It's so good. Chuck says, 
you know, you, you plant a few visions, you tweak a few outcomes, you go death a little, mm-hmm. and voila. Here yeah, we are. Bada bing, bada boom. And, and it was so interesting because plant a few, few visions, Serafina. Yeah. Tweak a few outcomes, season 14, episode 9. And see. <laughs> <laughs> An expert raspberry blower. <laughs> this season, season 15, episode 9, where uh, uh, in, in the trap, when, you know, we had this plan to trap Chuck, but then Chuck uh, showed Sam that that wasn't an option. Yeah. Huh. He, he, is, he is the master manipulator. Uh, and... And, you know, me? They think they can kill me? No, this is my ending. I have control. I still have control. Yeah. Yeah. And Sam, meanwhile, is trying to talk Dean down, but Dean is just convinced that this is everything. Like, killing Chuck is all he can consider in this moment. He has to push himself to do whatever is necessary in order to complete that goal. But Amara, she is realizing now that the plan was never to cage Chuck, but to kill him and her. And this realization is really heartbreaking for her because she thought, you know, Dean would never hurt me. He said he would never hurt me. But Chuck is like, he can still lie to you. Like, he'll feed you into the meat grinder. This whole scene. Oof. Oh my god, it was oh, this whole episode. Oh my god. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, yeah this it, we, we saw it in the Amara portion of the episode. We're seeing it uh, come to a head now. But this is Chuck, the master manipulator. And you know what? In acting and in writing, this is the first time I'm buying it. Yeah. He, he, he is going to get what he wants. So Chuck saying here to Mara, you know, humans, they'll always break your hearts. Yeah. And like the only ones who can understand us is us. Yeah. Yeah. Let's let's get away from it all. Let's start over. Let's come together in perfect balance. Yes. And create and isn't something that what new. Amara asked? earlier in the episode didn't isn't that what you wanted amara well allegedly chuck wants it too now yeah and yeah he's put this option out there of a hard reset and this time amara doesn't have it in her to disagree yeah yeah she's been betrayed by this world now and why why exist for this world when we can create something new something beautiful something peaceful just you and me together dean's need to kill chuck led to him lying to amara which led to her no longer being on their side but being on chuck's like oh so good it's so good so bad Thanks, I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> but but they're so going good. to create something beautiful and new, something peaceful together. And that's just enough to 
convince Amara that she wants to let go of all this baggage. And he extends his hand and she accepts it, dusting out and being consumed, absorbed into Chuck's hand. They're now united and Chuck grins. This is it. This is it. The villain of the story is Chuck. And and this is still his story. It's so good because this confrontation (laughs) in the hallway between Sam and Dean this ascension of Chuck, who is the main character of his own story, is a triumph in any story. You know, this is his moment. Mm-hmm. He's at his highest power. Right, right. And this is him prevailing against against Sam and Dean. And I now I'm just reading this whole episode in the framework of what Chuck knew and wrote and and this is his story that he wrote in episode two. Four. What? <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> And, um, <laughs> episode four, and, and this is his end, and we still have three episodes left, so, yeah, yeah I'm fine, I'm fine, this is fine. Oh, but, like, the tension we have right now, so, Sam, in the yeah. way, Dean with his gun out, it, it made me really think of when he pulled his gun on Kaya in season 13, like, the level of desperation required to make Dean do something like that that he mm-hmm. very clearly regrets. But in this moment, yes. his temper is just too high. And Sam can see that Dean's not backing down, but he can't let Dean go forward. So Sam attempts to disarm Dean, and Dean fires back, just cold clocks Sam instead. Yeah. Now Dean is free to try to hustle jack down the hallway and i guess Cass just doesn't know what to do no no like, one has all the information yet but here is where sam can actually get a word in yeah and spell out the consequences yeah so sam tackles dean and is holding him back so dean's trying to usher Cass along you know just take Jack, I'll hold back Sam, essentially. But Cass (laughs) stops and is like, no, Sam, what are you saying? And this is where Sam is finally able to get out that, you know, Bobby, Charlie, the alt-verse ones, they're going to be wiped out. They don't have a world to go back to. Um, Anyone who's dead is going to die again. Like, he's saying, like... Everyone we know is essentially screwed over the second that Billy gets to power because she wants to put everything back to the way it was without all of our meddling. Not just the Altverse um, hunters, but the angels, Cass, the demons, anyone who's died, Eileen. And that's just the start of it. And it is really just the start of it. Yeah. Because... Because Sam and Dean themselves, you know, Dean has been holding so tight onto this future. Like, this is the way to get my future. When Chuck's gone, I have my life. Right. At least 
this time it's not me. It's not you. Yeah. But, but but Dean hasn't realized yet that if everything, if they allowed this to play out and if that power vacuum um, exists and Billy takes that power grab, then there is no future for them. Yeah. Their life is over. They're just as screwed as everyone else. Yeah. Because Billy didn't bring them on. They ended up coming onto this plan because they found out about it. And then she's been keeping them in the dark. Because, again, she doesn't actually care about Sam and Dean having a happy ending. She cares about setting the world back the way that it ought to be. Right. And... Right. Dean is still convinced. He's like, we don't have a choice. And Sam's saying, we always have a choice. Dean's saying, there's nothing we can do. Sam's denying that. And then Dean finally does this outburst that he doesn't care about Billy so long as he gets what he wants. He wants Chuck gone, and he's willing to trade everybody in order to get rid of Chuck in a heartbeat. Right. Right, right, right. But I, I'm in Sam's shoes. Like, Dean, you're just not listening you, you don't understand that those, you don't understand the full extent of the consequences. Yeah. Because Sam says, what about me? Would you trade me? Because that's exactly. what we're getting to. It's like you're saying that if Billy gets to perform what she wants to as God, she's going to get rid of them. And Sam says, uh, through our whole lives, you protected me. You protected me from dad, from Lucifer. It's the one constant that I could always count on. I didn't always like it, but I've always trusted you. So right now I need you to trust me. Just, Mm -hmm. just listen. Like the speech Sam's giving that you're describing, it's Dean is panicked. He's a caged animal. He sees his one shot at a free life being taken away from him. And Sam's giving this speech as a way of grounding Dean, of bringing him back into reality. Yes. Being like, do you remember this? Do you, like, essentially he's finding that common ground that he and Dean agree on, which is Sam has always been protected by Dean. And, like... It's the one thing that he's only known to be true. So please put the gun away. And Dean hearing that, he's coming back to himself. And like he's listening now, finally, when Sam is saying, we'll figure it out. We'll find another way, you and me, like we always do. Dean is finally hearing it. Oh, my God. And Sam saying, we'll find another way. You and me, we always do. It's it's a direct mirror to what Dean said at the top of this episode, which was, Sam, you and me, we have to do this. It's in the book. It's the only way. Yeah. And now Sam is saying, you and me, we will find a different way. Yeah. Like It be- hits so good. <sighs> That united front, that common ground that he's dug out and he's pulled Dean back into, it's what they need to essentially break the railroad tracks that Dean has been set upon and what would have brought them to a point where, I mean, Dean in his panic state would do anything. And the question is, like Sam said, are you willing to sacrifice me? And it's putting it in those terms that helps bring Dean back to himself. 
Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> and he puts the gun away. Yeah. He does as he's asked. And, like, they're both crying, teary-eyed. It's so good. I'm like, everyone is just acting at the top of their top of their skill level. It's so good. Oh, it's so good. I mean, Chuck and Amara with with Amara. Man. Mm-hmm. I... I will I will hope that we see um Amara in spirit who has now been absorbed into Chuck e- exerting some sort of influence yeah. onto Chuck in later episodes but I very much read this as the um the end of Amara's presence in well Emily well it, 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 it was Emily's last episode I would think I see trick-or-treaters. Oh, trick-or-treaters. They're cute. They're walking around with a <laughs> stick they found in the middle of the street. <sighs> if the doorbell rings, run, run. I will fucking run. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I wonder, because the fact that Chuck absorbed Amara... But this is a representation of balance, of unity. I am curious mm-hmm. to see if they are not in one physical state, but if this is something that could kind of flip-flopped between, depending on who, quote-unquote, is behind the wheel. I'm really curious on what, that, what that's going to look like in the next three episodes. But yeah, yeah just, just on the acting and the characters and our actors, I loved the Chuck and Amara sequence. I adored this hallway scene. Uh, Mm -hmm. Dean's outburst here. It was everything that we have been building to since absence. Yeah. Last season. Well, I would say even the start of season 13 when we saw his anger. But I agree with you that absence is when it's cemented in that this is a boiling pot that he just doesn't know how to put the lid on. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> and I think that I think that this is the the pot boiling over, but we're still we still have opportunity to pull it off the element. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I think that we're still going to um, be digging into this a little bit more in the yes. next few episodes because Dean's not done um, and and he's got a lot to work through. Yes. Still. Yes. I'm so worried about next episode. Oh, okay. So the door that was housing Chuck and Amara explodes out and Chuck stalks towards them, furious that Dean and Sam still didn't stick to script. Like, they're still alive. I love him in this moment. That explosion of the door was... It seemed like... Maybe it's just because the moment felt extra, extra, but... um, me watching it, I was like, did they put a little bit more explosives on that than they maybe usually would have? Yeah. Because, <laughs> because, because this is perfect and it's so big and so matching to Chuck storming 
into this mm-hmm. next confrontation. I I don't know if it was the director or the writer who made this call, but it was so good. Yeah. Chuck in this scene is killing it. Are you kidding me? Still, after everything, after all of that, you did it again. <sighs> I'm just grinning. Like, it's so good. It's so good. <laughs> it's so good. We hey, find- guys, can you tell that we liked this episode? It's so good. Can, can you tell that we... <laughs> that it put us through the ringer a little bit, but... We thanked it. Euphoria. <laughs> oh. This is where they find out that Amara's still inside here somewhere. Chuck says, and he mm. goes on a little tirade against Cass here, calling him the self-hating angel of Thursday. Yeah, Chuck turning on Cass to say, you, you, you know what every other version of you did when you gripped him tight and raised him from perdition? You know what? They followed orders, but not you, not you, the the one who came off the line with a crack in his chassis. Holy hating angel of Thursday, my spirit animal. No, it's fine. Cass, I love you. I couldn't believe that we got this confirmation. Because remember um, yeah. when episode 300 happened and we had that Cass who was just kicking ass immediately on Sam and Dean, no questions asked. Yeah. Like, Oh, this this cast, this cast is something special. This cast is unique. Does something that none of the other timelines, the other worlds did. He like he fell for Sam and Dean and their cause and he committed himself to it and he learned the act of free will, which was something heretofore some like just not done with his species and I'm losing my mind. I'm losing my goddamn mind. I'm like 90% sure that I've spoken to it on this podcast before. But um the the supernatural hill I will die on is that Cass was the one to break script. Yes. Cass Season four, episode 22, the monster at the end of the book. Okay, okay, fine. Yeah, okay, okay, yeah, that one. Okay, fuck you. Yes. (laughs) No, I love you. I love you. I love you so much. You you catch me when I fall, B. I appreciate you. (laughs) In, in, In the season finale of season four, when Cass goes off script to say to the creator's face, Chuck says you're not in this part of the story and Cass says we're making it up as we go and we lose our minds with the implication we lose our goddamn minds that moment and every moment thereafter that's it I'm that Jenny Slate high pitched screaming noise like yeah, li- listeners, have fun, have fun with with all of this that's happening. But oh my god, B, oh my god, it makes me so worried for Cass. 
because he's Chuck's blind spot. And being in the blind spot means that you can be the linchpin in deciding how this actually shakes out. Yeah, I agree. Don't agree. Um, Tell me how I'm wrong. Well, I think you're I think you're wrong, but, <laughs> but I also agree. So so here it, it it was it was um Chuck putting Cass in that spotlight to say you just like Sam and Dean have not been following the rules. So that puts him in danger, like you're saying. And I wonder, though, if he is more a target for Chuck or more a target for Billy and the Empty. Because um, because why we're worried for Cass's ultimate fate is that this Empty deal is still, is still in Remy? the equation. Remy, I yeah? give zero fucks about the Empty deal now. I don't think that it, it's going to play out. I don't. Okay. Listen to me spiral for a second. You don't have to agree okay. with me, but you're not going to rationalize with me because I'm in a panic state. Okay. <laughs> okay. Where I'm, I'm, I'm where I'm afraid. Okay. Because Chuck is so disdainful of Cass as like, he was supposed to just be a piece in the story that did as he was told. And so Ch- Chuck's wrath against Cass in this moment is kind of the embodiment of not realizing how special or unique it was that this one Cass out of all of the universes did break script. And so I feel like, I mean, Chuck's view of Cass is representative of Billy's view, of the Empty's view, which is like he... They don't realize he's the embodiment of free will. He was the one who broke script. He was the one who enabled Sam and Dean to go off script in a huge way that Chuck still hasn't been able to get under control. And so for the fact he's that- He's the one who who woke the empty. He's the one who cares so much for Jack that he wants to find another way that's not death's way. So he is the one who has thrown everything off rails, not just with Chuck, but everything. And I'm just like, the fact that they don't, that he's in their blind spot. I feel like Cass making a decision that will benefit Sam and Dean and benefit the end game that they want, I feel like Cass making that decision is going to narratively be paramount to how his part of the story plays out. And that's why I'm like, I don't think the empty deal matters anymore because Cass is going to decide to self-sacrifice in some way. I'm not saying permanent death, but in some way that is going to save Sam and Dean and I'm terrified. Why do you go uh, Sorry, sorry, didn't mean to interrupt, but what but why I don't think I think that what's not connecting is why do we think self-sacrifice? Why do we think that Cass is going to I mean, I get it that it's supposed to be this like this last act of defiance, this last act that's breaking yeah. script. And again, I'm using the word sacrifice in the very general sense of meaning giving mm. up something that he would have rather held on to. I'm not necessarily saying 
sacrificing his life, but he is giving Mm. up something meaningful to the benefit of those around him. Because we, we know that at least Misha's perspective of him, and I would say that there are writers on the team that also see Cass as wanting to do the heroic thing. He's always willing to lay down, he's always willing to bleed for the Winchesters. And so I can see, again, that general term sacrifice as playing out in his storyline. I I'm I fall more in the camp of um now coming out of this episode we not only have Chuck to contend with as the villain to this story but we now have confirmation that Billy is also playing against our protagonists mm-hmm. so so when when I call to the empty deal, I think that what I'm mainly concerned about is where does the, where is the focus of this antagonism? Because we have Chuck who I think is mainly um, focused on Sam and Dean, Mm -hmm. but then when it comes to the empty, who is an ally to death, who is still a big player here mm-hmm. um i think that that its focus is still very much on wanting cast to get his due and i think and i that, think that's what we're going to have to contend with well i think and not to disagree but this episode raises the question for me of the empty is doubting death and did sam do enough to remove those doubts because if not then the empty may be an ally no more to death and then death would be furious about that I, that is a great point i do agree um obviously i would say sam didn't soothe those doubts that the empty has had he tricked them yeah into getting what he wanted so i think that next episode or or you know through through this final arc um i think that the empty is going to be coming back with a vengeance Mm -hmm. and that's what i'm worried about that's what i'm worried about i i just yeah i'm so worried about Cass because being in the blind spot also means that he's in the spotlight for solutions yeah Yeah. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, Chuck. (sighs) But here, Chuck is now. You know, I'm still, I'm still so curious. I know that, I know that next week we're gonna kind of pick up where we left off, right? Yes, this is Uh, a part one to a part two. Yeah, yeah. So I think that we're gonna get answers next episode. But here with Chuck, I am very, very curious on what this means. So is the fact that Chuck um, united with Amara, is he no longer, can he no longer be defeated in the way that, um, that Billy planned? Billy planned. Is it like exactly how much of a wrench has been thrown into the works? Yeah. Uh, and and if you know this plan is botched which is 
the impression we get, then what's going to happen? And not only what is going to happen with Chuck and what does this mean for Chuck as becoming even more powerful than he was before, um, but also for Billy in the Empty, um, now we've made an enemy of Billy. So mm-hmm. that what is that going to mean? Yes. But Chuck here in this hallway just the you feel and we and through the soundtrack through the dialogue we feel the wrath of god yeah here. and like he's saying that they he's tried but they're all just too stupid or stubborn or broken and he's over them and he's, he's saying you know what do you do with broken toys you toss them out and so chuck just no longer cares about what they do He's saying, have fun watching Jack die. And, like, that's his parting words for this episode. And even though Sam, Dean, Cass are looking defiant to Jack, sorry, defiant to Chuck, when Jack suddenly takes a turn for the worse and collapses, their focus all turns to him. And we end this episode seeing Jack's eyes kind of flickering in that golden glow and the power is radiating out from his eyes and it's causing his skin to start to peel. And that's where we leave off. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck! Everything has imploded. Everything that felt wrong has now proven... Come out to open air. Right, right. And where do we go from here? Yeah. I mean, we're in the dire straits. They probably have pissed off Billy. Chuck is now capable of performing a hard reset on this universe. Jack is dying. And, like, Dean's now lost... (laughs) He's lost his one goal. Or, like, he still has the goal, but he lost his one means of completing it. Yeah. I don't have anything to say. I'm like, it's a bad scene, fam. (laughs) It's a bad scene. Oh, my Lord. This was a huge episode. Yes. And and there are only three episodes left. There were so many pieces. There were so many threads picked up. There was new information woven in with what we already knew. There was mm-hmm. the break in story format of like concentrating on an episode character and then a character and then a character. Like all of these Holy things shit. just gave the impression of the gravity of the situation our characters are in. This felt like a season finale. It, it felt, fuck yeah. Like if they were going to give us a cliffhanger and then start season 16, this would have been like a yeah. great fucking place to do it. Right, right, exactly. Oh, it was real good, y'all. So, it was good. <laughs> so, so be out of all of that that you just laid out, all of the gifts that we were given. Uh, I'm picking two, and stomach knots. Um, <laughs> yeah, sure. You know what? Go ahead. I mean, there's <laughs> enough. We should both be able to pick two. <laughs> 
What's your final takeaway? Okay, so the first one that comes to mind is that whole bit with Adam when he was talking with Jack and saying, like, at first, me and Eve, we were like, yeah, our bad. But then we saw him turn on our kids. And, like, just the way that that line was drawn and the parallels that we can pull that forward to Sam and Dean and Mary and John and, like, their whole the way that they've been manipulated into the place that they are. Mm -hmm. I really just liked what Adam brought to the table. I liked the actor's delivery for this. He really sold me on this idea of a character that has turned the kernel concern of their life to be around this revenge plot and everything else is incidental. So just this characterization of yeah no it's all good man because the only thing i give a fuck about is killing god like and that needed patience like the level of patience you need to put that plan on your top of your to-do list and then wait and wait Mm -hmm. and wait until you can complete it i find that so fascinating Mm -hmm. for a quote-unquote throwaway character And then my second I'm just thing is here nodding. the re- nodding, relation nodding, of- nodding. <laughs> my, my second <laughs> go is ahead, go ahead. Cass, the way that Chuck just confirmed all the things we suspected about his character, that there is something different and unique about this cast that sets him apart and that has been pivotal in this pursuit of free will. Like, it's so much validation for his character. You're not supposed to be here. This wasn't part of the story. <laughs> like 11 fucking years in the making. 10 years in the making. <laughs> and that's why I'm like, I wish you could see me right now. I'm just like head the in people hands. people were like, this should have ended in season five. I'm like, bitch, are you kidding me? <laughs> I really wish that this team had been with us sooner so we could have them longer you know if we're only getting 15 (laughs) seasons then i'm like i'll give you earlier seasons because you get it like there's nothing different about how they are necessarily treating Cass in his relationship with the bunker but they're not driving him away they have throwaway lines of they're like oh yeah Cass left this morning Cass is just being Cass. whereas like when i was watching season 10 and it's like oh he has to be out of the bunker for these reasons it's like he didn't need to be it didn't make sense <laughs> scrubs <laughs> i really like oh the my God. writers we got a lot y'all meredith glenn <laughs> fucking gift uh... remy what's your takeaway <laughs> i'm still I'm so, I don't Spiraling. know. I can't. I can't remove my hands to see the world as it is. <laughs> Dean with his blinders. <sighs> okay. Okay. I'm good. Take a breath. So, my I'll take two. I'll take two. Yay! Uh, my my quick one is Amara and Chuck, <laughs> and I was just really impressed by. Um, how Amara's ending, if we want to consider this Amara's ending, was handled. And I really felt Chuck's villainy 
this episode. Mm-hmm. In a way that I haven't since probably 1420. Yeah, I agree. We saw Chuck kind of lose his footing at the start of season 15, and we didn't necessarily feel his machinations when he showed up in episode 8 and episode 9. But here, the machinations are afoot, and he is reveling in what he has crafted, at least until he realizes that, fuck, Sam and Dean still didn't do what I expected them to do. And and I wonder, what do you think that he was specifically referring to when he said, oh, you did it again. What what, what did they, how did they go off script? Were they supposed to bring Jack in to to set the bomb off and then it wouldn't have worked or what? Chuck's whole thing is he wants brother to kill brother. He wants Uh Sam and Dean to end themselves. Like the torture of killing your brother kills yourself essentially. And that's what he's Mm. wanted to see. And so the fact that Sam was in the line of fire and Dean had the gun extended, the trigger loaded and he never pulled like that whole thing is where he's like, you did it again. Like, fuck off. You you know what I just realized? Mm-hmm. That entire kind of obsession um, is a, a self-flagellation uh, over the fact that he caged Amara. You're giving so him ago. a depth of character that you're not giving Dean. No! <laughs> so uh, why? Why? What? I don't, I I personally feel like Chuck just has an obsession for this narrative. You don't think it has anything to do with his own sibling like relationship? in the same way that we have fanfic writers that are like, I'm going to give you 10,000 coffee shop AUs and I'm going to just give you coffee shop <laughs> AU after coffee shop AU. I feel like he is the same way where the, and like, okay, I will grant you. If he was the kind to self-reflect and realize that, like, the internal torment of a sibling killing another sibling was something that maybe he could relate to, (laughs) then yes, you are 100% on point. But I don't think Chuck allows himself that depth because he doesn't even connect to his creations. He just gets private glee at watching it play out. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. And number two um, is is this um, this peak that in in this episode, we've reached a crest on Dean's anger arc that I am very excited to see the um the falling action on that yes in the res in the ultimate resolution oh my god and like just think about it okay because jack is dying i'm assuming chuck poofs out because i mean (laughs) he don't want to be near that when that goes off and Uh so here's jack suffering and sam dean cast surrounding him being like what can we do? Like, and then Dean having to look at Jack in that current state and realize like, it's all for naught. Like, Oh, Oh, the emotional (laughs) peaks that will hit. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm fine. 
I'm fine. Honestly, psychologically, I am treating episodes 17 and 18 as like the show finale because 19, uh-huh. I am sure, is going to infuriate me in some manner. <laughs> And yeah, 20, <laughs> I don't even know because I'm scared that it's going to be some hard reset thing has happened or we've taken all the characters, we've put them in this safe little bubble. Like, I'm so scared that I'm going to get a Harry Potter ending where I'm like, fuck this, we didn't need this. Like, I'm so scared. So, yeah. Oh, it's always the fear. It's always the fear. Um, and like you said, we we know some things about uh, what's going to happen in 18 uh but uh, 19 and 20 are still a complete black box mix- mystery mm-hmm. and ah uh, yeah so like mentally uh. mentally <laughs> i can't handle it i'm like the show ends next week and then we get two more episodes for some fucking reason no we're fine we're fine <laughs> okay okay Okay, bring it back. Yes. Bring it back. <laughs> so that was okay. season 15, episode 17, Unity. Yes, it was. And good good episode. And and next week is episode 18, Despair. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I'm prepped. These episodes are telling me how to feel and I'm ready. I'm doing it. <laughs> Guys, I'm so glad. I'm so glad that you have been able to join us yes. in this journey. We so appreciate talking with you. We hope you, you enjoyed the episode always. as much as we did. Yes. Yes, we do. And you can always hit us up. And please do. If you want to scream at us like we scream at each other, then yeah. then feel free. You can hit us up on Twitter, Tumblr, our website, email, anything. And, um, and yeah, uh, we, (laughs) we'll see you guys next week. Stay safe. And, you know, also, um, for anyone who lives in the U.S. who is over 18, who is registered in their state to vote or has opportunity for same day voter registration, Go out and vote. Uh, mm-hmm. This episode is coming out uh, November 1st. And November 3rd, Tuesday, is voting day. So vote vote down the ballot. It's so important. Um, and we're just going to see how that impacts next week's episode. It's and fine. yeah, we're fine. It's all we're fine. fine. It's all fine. But go out and vote. Yes, please do. <laughs> please do. So we will see you guys next week. We love you. Love I love you, you B. I love you too, Remy. <laughs> see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. I'm good. Trick or treaters, go ahead. <laughs> so, guys, um, if you, yeah, we're <laughs> recording on Halloween night. Happy Halloween, y'all. 
Bee's going to give some trick-or-treaters some responsibly packaged chocolate treats. Let's listen. <laughs> 